Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. This morning we're going to spend a time thinking about progress in the Lord. Making progress. It's always God's purpose that we make progress. Jesus described himself as the good shepherd who leads his sheep. Those who know his voice follow him. If Jesus is leading, he's making progress. He's going somewhere. So those who follow him are also progressing. They're making progress. Progress in the way of the Lord, progress in the purpose of the Lord. Now, when Jesus was sitting down with the disciples at the Last Supper, he was very conscious of the fact that their whole lives were about to be dramatically transformed through the gift of the Holy Spirit and that they would have to make progress without seeing him physically but just by his divine presence within them. So two things Jesus knew were necessary for progress. What he needed to progressively do in them so that he could progressively use them to bear more and more fruit. And you see this in the way that Jesus prayed for the disciples to his father in John 17, the great high priestly prayer. But you also see that this is God's purpose for all those who subsequently would become believers. If you turn for a moment to John 17, verse 24, Jesus is praying for us here as well as for those first disciples. Father, I want those you have given me. Let's just stop there. The Father has given you to Jesus. The only way that you could be in Christ is because the Father put you there. He gave you to Christ. So I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. Now, of course, they were going to be with him as he was crucified. We have all been crucified with Christ. He wanted them to be with him in his risen life because they were to be witnesses of that risen life. But of course, he also wants them to be with him, so he wants us to be with him in glory. So, I, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Now, there's two ways in which we can understand this. That we will ultimately be with the Lord in his glory for all eternity. But we can also understand that Jesus is really saying to the Father, I want them to know my glory even in their ministries here on earth. Because you see, where is Jesus going to be? He is going to be reigning in glory. And as Paul says, we are seated with him in that glory. But he is also with us and within us here in our humanity. So 
you may remember that Isaiah records God as saying, I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite, the repentant, the humble. So there's a sense in which the glory of God is to be revealed to us and in us and through us now. So Jesus was aware that something had to happen between the place where the disciples were with him at that Last Supper as a result of all the teaching and so on that they had received during the previous three years or so, and the ability for them to know his glory and actually to be able to reveal that glory. There was a gap between those two things. So Jesus prayed about the gap. And if you go back in chapter 17 to verse 17... He prays, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So he knew that between the point, let's say, of new birth and of glorification, there is a process of sanctification, of being made holy. And of course, the scripture says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So just that initial justification does not actually, in and of itself, lead to the glorification without the sanctification that is in between them. Salvation in the scripture is not just coming to the Lord. Salvation is three things, justification, sanctification, glorification. Those of you who've been students here know that you have learned that when you were students. All these long-sounding words. But what does it mean? I am accepted, I am made holy, I am one with God in his glory. That's putting it in its simplest terms. So having accepted me because he's forgiven my sins and, and placed me in Christ does not in and of itself sanctify me and make me holy. Or does it? Because we read that we are sanctified in Christ Jesus, that he is our holiness, he is our sanctification. And here you see we're faced with what we are very familiar with, our position and our performance. We have a position of being made holy because we are in the Holy One. But what God intends is that progression of his holiness in our lives. So we are being sanctified through the power of the Holy Spirit within us in the way in which we live. In other words, we're becoming more and more holy. So that more and more of the glory can be revealed in us. He is transforming us into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. But you don't get the ever-increasing glory without this process of being made holy. So we are sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. And uh, Paul says, be holy in all you do. So this sanctification 
is essential to the whole progress of God in our lives. Now, what we need to understand is progress happens in two ways at the same time. We progress in our relationship with the Lord. And we progress in our ministry, in the outworking, in the fruitfulness, in what God is able to do through us. So the progress is more that the Holy Spirit does in us, leads to more that the Holy Spirit can do through us. Now, Jesus said, by their fruit, you will know them. In other words, you will see by the way in which I use people what I have actually worked within them. And you can see that if they are progressing in what I work in them, they will progress in what I do through them. In other words, the more I do in you, the Lord is saying, the more I will do through you. So our focus has to be on both these things because they are so interrelated, independent. We all would like to see God doing more through us, so God says, fine, that's what I want. So let me do more in you, then I will do more through you. Are we all here? So, Jesus is actually praying a few weeks before the disciples are to experience multiplication, harvest, and abundance. That all began on the day of Pentecost, which from this point was about six weeks away. So Jesus knew, right, progress, Father, has to be made in their sanctification so that they can be used even more fully. Now, because Jesus is our holiness, we do not get sanctified or progress in our sanctification by ever looking at ourselves or even by trying to be holy in and of ourselves. Because he is our holiness, he wants to express his holy presence in us. He lives in a high and holy place, but also with those who are lowly, those who are humble, those who are repentant and contrite of heart. So our progress, people often say, you make progress by going downwards that you may go upwards. The more humble you are, the more dependent you are upon the Lord, the higher he is able to lift you up, not only in terms of your experience of him, but also in terms of what he can do through you. And this is what our aim is always, because this is what God's aim is always, that he wants to bear more and more fruit in our lives that will glorify him. So it's not a question of trying to be more fruitful or thinking that we can produce more fruit ourselves. The multiplication, the harvest, the abundance is what God does. But he does it because of what he has done first in people so that then he can do more through people. So this is why we seek the Lord every day of our lives. Not just to have an experience of him, We don't come in here every morning to have an experience of God. We come in here because we want to make progress. We want to allow the Lord to make progress as to what he is doing in us. So that then there will be progress as to what he is able to do through us. So always before some major breakthrough of of the power of God in the lives of his people... There is always this process, you can call it what you like, restoration, uh, revival, 
renewal, but God does something in the lives of his people so that then something more, something greater will be done through his people. Because this is the way that God has chosen to work. God hasn't chosen to bring salvation to the world through a legion of angels being released into Britain or anywhere else. It is to be done through the saints, through his church, through the body of Christ, through those he has called and set apart. They are his witnesses. Angels aren't his witnesses. Angels are ministering spirits that are sent to help us, but we are the witnesses. We are the ones through whom God will work to fulfill his purposes here on earth until Jesus comes again. So this is why we're always concerned to make progress. Lord, I mean, this should be the deepest desire of your heart. Your deepest desire of your heart is to make progress in your relationship with God. Because unless that is the case, you will not progress in ministry. God will not be able to do more through you unless you allow him to do more in you. And this is why uh, Paul talks about the fact that we are transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. So this process of sanctification makes us more and more like the one who is holy. In other words, we become more holy. Now, when you look at the life of Jesus... You're seeing, of course, the one who is perfectly holy. But you see also how practical holiness is. Holiness is not otherworldliness. It's not, you know, some pious kind of feeling or sentiment. Everything Jesus did was holy. Bringing people to salvation and all that that involves, is holy. Seeing people healed is holy. Every miracle that the Holy Spirit does in and through his people is an aspect of holiness. You see, when in this prayer, Jesus says, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. He then goes on to say, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So the purpose of this sanctification is for ministry. Not just that people may say, oh, hallelujah, I'm more holy, I'm more like Jesus now than I used to be. But that transformation is happening in order that there may be greater fruitfulness. So then Jesus says, for them I sanctify myself. that they too may be truly sanctified. Now, in what sense did Jesus need to be sanctified? He is the Holy One. So he's not saying, I need to be made holy in order that they may be made holy. We can think of purity as being an aspect of holiness, It's not holiness, it's an aspect of holiness. But Jesus clearly is not praying, I need to be be purified so that they can be purified because there was no impurity in him. Otherwise he could not have been the sacrifice that brought us salvation on the cross. So what he is saying is, I consecrate myself. You can translate sanctification as consecration, especially in this context. I consecrate myself that all those that you have given me may be truly consecrated, may be truly given over to your purposes. So what we understand from this is that Jesus is saying 
I am about to give myself over entirely to the purpose of my father. Now, he had been doing that, of course, during the three and a half years of his ministry, but now he is having to do it at a completely different level in the giving of himself on the cross. We just sort of think of the cross as a historical event, but I mean, when you think of what was happening when Jesus prayed this prayer, he was still having to face, humanly, what it was going to involve and actually going to the cross, taking all the sin of mankind upon himself, suffering the consequences of sin, that separation from his father that he experienced on the cross when everything went black and dark for three hours and he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He had to go through that which he had never known, that separation from his father. This was his consecration. And he was saying, I consecrate myself that they too may be truly consecrated, that they too may go through whatever is necessary in order to come through to the glory, to the glory that comes from bearing the fruit. So if, if you just think of Jesus for a moment, he's, he's been used by the Father, at one with the Father, all the way through his ministry. We know how dependent he was upon the Father for his ministry. Now he's having to make progress by going beyond everything that he had done so far by going through the cross. Then, of course, being raised from the dead was further progress. Then, of course, his ascension into heaven was further progress. Now he sits and rests because he has come to the fulfillment of all that he was sent to do, waiting for the time when the Father will send him again in triumph. So, <clears throat> all the time we see in this whole drama of salvation that is being outworked through Jesus, this progressive work of the Lord. But you see at the same time the fruit of it. Through progressing to the cross, he takes the whole of sinful humanity to the cross so that progress can be made in the lives of multitudes of people who will be forgiven their sins and be made acceptable through the blood of Jesus in the sight of God. He makes progress by being raised from the dead so that then there are all these others who can all those who believe in him can share in his risen life. He progresses into glory, into his uh, return to heaven, so that all those who are faithful to the end will progress with him into that divine glory. So all the time we see these, these two principles being outworked in Jesus, the progress in him personally and the progress in ministry, the progress as to what happens in the lives of other people as a result. If Jesus had not progressed, then there could not have been a progression of his ministry. And all we would have is just the stories of this man who was sent by God who did a number of wonderful and glorious things uh, while he was here on earth. But no, Jesus progressed right to the fulfillment of God's purpose for him so that multitudes of people were also able to progress. So this same principle of progression was at work in the life of Jesus as it is to be at work in us. So we progress in our relationship with him in the same way that Jesus progressed in his relationship with the Father, by being humble, by being submitted, by being obedient to everything that the Father put before him to do. Now, you see, what we're talking about here is personal obedience, personal consecration, personal sanctification. 
progressively more and more of Christ in us, Christ in you, Christ in me, transforming you, transforming me into his likeness. The more that progression takes place, the more the lives of other people will be impacted. Doesn't matter what the nature of your ministry, because you will become a more effective witness in whatever you're doing, wherever God puts you, whatever the nature of your ministry, you will be more effective because of the progress of, of, is, as to what is happening within you. So what God does within us is not an end in itself, it's a means to an end, so that we can be more fruitful for the glory of God. So it is not a selfish thing to be concerned about how you yourself are progressing. It's actually an essential thing that you are consciously aware of the way in which God wants you to progress personally within your relationship with him. But as you hear me say to you constantly, that progression never happens by looking at yourself. It never happens through anything you yourself can do, but except you know, that you can do in your own strength, it is. I mean, all you can do is yield yourself more fully to him, trust yourself more fully to him, be obedient to whatever he is asking you to do. The outcome of all that is that we become more and more like him. And the more like him, the more effective, the more productive, the more fruitful, the more successful, the more God is glorified in our lives. So to put it all very simply, God wants to be glorified in me in order that God can be glorified through me. The same is true for you. The same is true for every believer. So this has to be, of course, intensely practical. So I'm left with the question, okay, is there anything in my life that does not glorify him? Because that's got to go. Is there the absence of anything that God wants in my life so that he will be glorified in a way that at present he is not being glorified? Now, that's not examining itself. It's saying, Holy Spirit, show me whatever is not glorifying. Show me whatever you need to do in me, however I need to respond to you so that more of your glory can be at work in me, so that more of your glory can be at work through me. It's recognizing I can't, I can't work out this process myself. It has to be the work of the Holy Spirit. It has to be the Holy Spirit working increasingly in me so that the Holy Spirit can work increasingly through me. Now, there is a sense in which, therefore, we can be thankful for what God is doing in us and what God is doing through us. But at the same time, we can never be satisfied because we can always see that we haven't reached our destination, that God wants us to progress. So if you ever become satisfied with where you are spiritually, you will cease to make progress. But if you see, no, there's more that God wants to do in me because there's more that God wants to do through me. So, you know, Christians pray. Uh, you, I often say to people, don't pray for revival. Waste of time to pray for revival. Pray to be revived. Because can, God can only bring revival through a revived people. Are you there? See, If you become revived, revival will happen around you. The more God does in you, the more he will do through you, the more he will do around you. So often Christians pray in totally unrealistic ways. Lord, send revival. Send revival. 
How do they think it's going to arrive? Most have never experienced revival and don't really know what they're praying for. But you see, always God prepares for what he's about to do. He announces what he's going to do before he does it, and then he prepares the way for it. There are so many places in Scripture where the Spirit of God moves suddenly, and people latch onto that. Oh, there will be a sudden move of the Holy Spirit, like the way the Spirit came at Pentecost. But wait a minute. Before it became a Pentecost, there were the ten days of prayer where they were meeting together all day, every day, coming to one heart and one mind. Before that, there was the whole process of the cross through which they went. Before that, there were the three years of teaching with Jesus. I mean, that suddenly was the climax of a whole process through which God had taken them. And we long for, you know, breakthrough, breakout. We, we want to see the multiplication. We want to see the, the harvest. We want to see the abundance. Let me tell you this. God wants to see that multiplication more than you do. God is much more concerned to see the harvest here in Horsham and, and Crawley and Worthing and Burgess Hill and 25-mile radius and beyond. He's more concerned about that harvest than we are. In fact, he knows that harvest is happening in various places of the world Today, every day, I thank God for all the places in the world where harvest is already happening, where he has been glorified by the number of people that are coming into his kingdom and so on. Uh, what, we, what we want is to see greater harvest here. Thankful for what God is doing, but saying we've got to progress from the addition to multiplication, from the gleaning to harvest, from the blessing to abundance. Progress. But the progress begins by what God does in us, preparing the way for what he will then do through us and around us. It will all be the work of the Holy Spirit. And, of course, this is the infinite wisdom of God. Because come harvest, you're going to have a whole lot, not just the odd few of people coming to the Lord. You're going to see, I mean, it's just a totally different environment really altogether but all those who come to the Lord have to be discipled and taught and they of course will become fruitful because of what God is doing in them in, in harvest times like this people really do come to the Lord in a very much deeper way than the way we see in norm, normal circumstances simply because of the depth of what God is doing by his spirit. Because, you see, his will has progressed from uh, addition to multiplication. What is actually happening is not you're not just getting more people at the same level as those who come to him during the time of addition. They actually come to the Lord on a much deeper level uh, because of the greater work that the Holy Spirit is doing at that time. So, <clears throat> praise God, we've got all this to come, and we believe, you know, that this is the progress that God is wanting to see in kingdom faith at this moment. Not only in kingdom faith, of course, but all over the place. But we are concerned, of course, to see the outworking of the will and the purpose of God here. So, our desire is not just to say, oh, Lord, Send multiplication. Oh, Lord, more harvest. Oh, Lord, more abundance. Our prayer has to begin, Lord, do in me more of that progressive work that I may be part of the whole process that you are wanting to work out in multiplication, in harvest, in abundance. In other words, Lord, I want to be a harvester. You see? This is, this, is, this is what happens. Before you see the harvest, God has to create harvesters. And the harvesters are not going to zoom in as angels from heaven. The harvesters are not going to be other people that come with visiting ministries. We have to become the harvesters. Because of the dynamic of what God has done in us so that that dynamic can be seen 
in what God does through us. It's not that he is dependent upon us. What, he's, what he is is dependent upon what the Holy Spirit does in us and what the Holy Spirit does through us. So then, if that harvest time becomes true revival, you end up in the place where you see God move in such extensive ways that it seems he's even moving without us. That it comes, it comes to the point where you, uh, you, you're just, you feel you're just watching what he is doing. And <clears throat> it's difficult to keep up with what he is doing because he is doing so much. But you see, it isn't waiting for a time like that. It's allowing God to take us progressively into a time like that. So, <clears throat> question mark is, when's all this going to happen? Well, it's happening. How long is it going to take? Well, it depends upon how we fulfill this prayer of Jesus, that we consecrate ourselves to him, that we may be fully consecrated as he was fully consecrated. Let's just read it again. Uh, that he sanctifies, for them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. I consecrate myself, that they too may be truly consecrated. <clears throat> so praise God. More and more of his life, his love, his power, his activity in us. It's not a question of ever being negative about what God is doing. It's simply recognizing he needs to do much more in me because he wants to do much more in me and he wants to do much more through me. And that's true of every single one of his children. And you can see the mistake, really, the error that the church has fallen into, I mean, the church worldwide has fallen into so often that it's assumed that God exists to bless us as his children. That, you know, he just wants us to make a happy, joyful life here on earth. No, no. God has called us to be part of his mission. So he says here, as you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you, he said to them. So we're all missionaries. We're all those who are sent. There isn't a faithful Christian who isn't a ministry, who, who isn't a missionary. Our mission, essentially, is here, where God has put us. Or he might send some of us out to be missions, missionaries in other places at other times. But at this time, this is our mission territory. This is where we are to be faithful missionaries, and to see ourselves as such, to think of ourselves as such, sent by God. Why? So that we can see more fruit, multiplication, harvest, abundance. So, beloved, all God really wants to remind us this morning 
is that you matter. Because you're one of the ones he's called, through whom he wants to outwork his purpose. So you count, you matter. Therefore, whatever he does in you is going to affect this whole purpose. Whatever he does through us is going to be dependent upon what he does in us. So this is where he wants each person, not, not just we as the team, but each person in the whole of kingdom faith to be consecrated to his purposes, dedicated to his purposes, devoted to his purposes. So we're just going to finish by reading a well-known psalm, 23. Because, you see, this, this has become perhaps the most famous of all the psalms for very good reason. It speaks of what God needs to progressively do in us so that he can work progressively through us. It's very personal. The Lord is not just the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack. He makes me, it's not what I do in my own strength. He makes me, he causes me to lie down in green pastures. He causes me not to work in my own strength, but to feed upon him and what he supplies. He leads me, progression, 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 he leads me beside still waters. He leads me into the place of peace with him. He restores my soul. He works within me so that he can work through me. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. If I'm walking with him in his way, then he can use me to impact the lives of more and more people to come to walk with me in his way. Are we breathing? He, he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's all for his sake. It's not so that I can have a righteous life. It's not so that I can think, oh boy, I'm the spiritual bee's knees. I mean, I'm really in a good place with God. No, everything he does is for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley. Now, look, progress, not being left in a valley, but walking through the valley. This translation follows the traditional translation, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, actually, literally, it's the, it's the valley of deepest darkness. It's not talking about going through a, a dime, but if I go through the valley of deepest darkness, you could say if I go through the valley of the cross, the deepest darkness, valley of death in that sense, I will fear no evil. It doesn't matter what experience I have to go that seems really dark. And in those times, you can lose all sense of the presence of God. You can, you can, you can lose all sense of, 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 wonder, of, of knowing what, what, what is happening. You just, you just don't understand what God is doing or what God is allowing or, or why such things are happening to you. But you see, you go through the time. You make progress. Because God leads you through those valleys. He brings you out of those valleys. And, and the thing is, often, uh, often you, <clears throat> you have to go through a valley to get to a higher place. If you've ever done any uh, fell walking or climbing or anything like that, you know that it's not just progressively going up. 
in a line like that. Usually you go up and you come down and then you go up higher and then you come down a bit and then you go up higher. And that's the, the Christian life is like that. But all the time, God is leading us. God is working within us. I will fear no evil for you are with me. You're with me in this whole process. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They strengthen me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies because in this progressive work, I have enemies. The devil is the chief enemy, but he uses people to be enemies. And I have to love them even if they are enemies, even if they try to hinder me in the progress that I'm making, even if they ridicule me, even if they laugh at me, even if they say wrong things about me. The more God uses you, the more you will have lies told about you. Because that's the way the devil works. He's a liar. He's a father of lies. You have to progressively work through all that. Jesus leads you through all that. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my... You anoint my head with oil. The Holy Spirit. My cup overflows abundance. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. You're surrounded. Holy, the, the shepherd is leading you. I always say goodness and love are the sheepdogs that are following you. You know, you've seen how the sheepdogs round the sheep up. Well, Jesus is, is there at the front, and you've got goodness and love following. Yep, 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 yep. Come on, goodness and love, goodness and love, goodness and love. Keep going, keep going. Goodness and love, goodness and love. Keep going in the goodness of God and the love of God. Praise God. Are you there? So surely goodness and, and love will follow me all the days of my life. Now listen. Look at this. See? And I will dwell, not in the church, but in the house of the Lord. I will dwell in the glory That's the house of the Lord. That's where he is enthroned. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's progress. So, the more he does in us, the more he will do through us. And I think there are a whole lot of Christians because of their love for God and because of their concern for people and wanting to see more people saved and so on, they, they really desire, Lord, I want you to use me more fully. Good, that's what I want. But has it ever occurred to you that God uses you now as fully as he is able to use you now. Hello. 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 But if he progressively does more in you, he will then be able to do more through you. The more surrendered we are to him, the more we submitted to his will, the more he will do through us for his glory. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Just spend a few moments praying yourself, just responding to what God's been saying. It's always good to start with thanksgiving. Thank him for the progress. That by his mercy and grace, 
he has enabled you to make. You can probably be aware that in recent weeks, days, certainly during the course of this year, you have made progress by the grace of God. So thank him for the progress. At certain points, you might have been stubborn. You might have been resistant of some things that God is wanting to do in you. But God breaks down that stubbornness, breaks down that obedience, disobedience, and he causes us. He enables us. He works in us, his will and purpose. So you can say to him, Lord, I don't want to hinder, to prevent in any way the progressive work of your spirit in my life. You can say to God now, Lord, I want to make progress. I want you to use me more. I want to bear more fruit for your glory. And I want you to work progressively in me so that that can happen. I don't want to be self-satisfied. Just think that I'm okay as I am. I praise you, Lord, for my life in Christ, that he is my everything. He is my all. But, Lord, I want to see more and more of Christ in me. Christ being revealed through me. Now thank the Lord that you matter. Because he works through his body and you're part of the body. So thank him that you matter. You matter. Your relationship with God matters, not just for you, not just between you and God, but because the closer you walk with the Lord, the more he does in you, the more will happen around you, the more he can do through you. So a whole body of believers, a whole church, really consecrated to his purposes, just think what could happen. As a result, the more and more that consecration takes place, the more there is multiplication, the more harvest, the more. It's not because of what we do, it's what Christ does in us and through us. It's all for his glory. It's all his work. So we praise you, Lord. We bless you. We thank you. We don't want to be as those who just have a nice daily quiet time with you and a nice praise time with you and think, oh, this is so nice, we're so blessed. Lord, we want to make progress. And we want to see your will being progressively outworked amongst us. And we praise you, we bless you. We thank you for all the promises that you've given. We thank you that you are faithful to all those promises. And we thank you, Lord, that those promises are an encouragement to us, that you are progressively going to work in us to bring us to the place where all those things can happen around us, that we will be in the midst of multiplication and harvest and abundance, all through your mercy, all through your grace, all through the anointing and activity of your Holy Spirit within us. And we praise you, Lord. We bless you. Come on, let's just really praise God. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus.
He lives in a high and holy place, but also with the lowly and contrite of heart. Oh, we thank you, Lord, that you say, come up higher, that you want to lift us into the heights of your glory. You want us to have your divine perspective on not only our lives, but on what is happening in your church in these days, what is happening in the nation. We need your perspective, Lord. We need to, your understanding. We need to move in obedience to your will, to following the leading of your spirit. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you. Lord, we see that our nation is in such a divided state that you need to raise up a holy people, a consecrated people, a devoted, a dedicated people around whom you can produce a move of the Spirit that is going to bring transformation to our nation, that is actually going to change the state of our nation. Lord, we know no man can do it. It has to be the work of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you that you move in our lives. You're moving in the lives of other believers all over our nation to bring about a revolution, to bring about a transformation. And we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. We bless you, Lord. Nothing is impossible for you. You are able to change... You are able to change a nation in a single day, it says in your word. So, Lord, you could move in such a mighty, powerful way that this nation could be changed in a single day. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Lord, thank you for the great privilege of being called, of being chosen, of being part of your divine purpose here on earth. Thank you, Lord for the wonderful privilege of being here together uh, among a body of people that earnestly desire to see your will outworked, not only in our lives, but all around us in the world. We praise you, Lord. It is so good. It is so good to be here. It is so good to be at one with you. It's so good to be in unity with one another so that we can make progress. Because you prayed, Father, may they be one, that the world will know that you have sent me and that you have loved them even as you have loved me. So thank you, Lord, that we progressively love one another more and more, progressively come into a, a deeper and a greater unity with one another so that the world will believe. Oh, so that we will see the progress all around us. Progress in fruitfulness. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now, I want us to pray... And I, and, I, and I don't want us to pray out of a, a spirit of judgment in any way whatsoever. But there are multitudes of born-again, even born-again spirit-filled Christians that at this moment are not making progress in their lives. We're going to pray for them. We're not praying in judgment. You, you, well, I, I come across in my ministry, I come across... People, they're stuck. They're not making progress. If anything, the very opposite is happening. They're going backwards instead of forwards. Now we're going to pray for them because there are brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? We're going to pray out of love for them. Lord, we, we just bring together before you, all our brothers and sisters in Christ, in this town, in Crawley, in Worthing, in Burgess Hill, in this 25-mile radius and beyond, Lord, we pray for those who are stuck. We pray for those who are blaming you for their being stuck. We pray for all those that are just critical of those who are moving on because they're jealous of them because they're stuck. Yeah. 
they're just not making progress with you. Now we pray, Lord, for the revelation of your spirit to come upon these dear folk so that instead of blaming you, instead of blaming their pastors, instead of blaming others, they will understand that they need to do work with you and you want to do a work in them. So we pray, Lord, that a spirit of revelation and of truth will come upon them to open their eyes to see what you are wanting to do in them in order that they may once again progress, move forward in your divine will. So, Lord, we pray for any who have backslidden that, Lord, many will come back to you in this season so that you can use them in the harvest time. Hallelujah. Those who have lost the plot, lost that sense of your divine purpose, Lord, we pray for them to be restored. We pray that once again they will come back to you and they will then make greater progress than they ever made in the past because they have tasted what life without you has been like. So we praise you, Lord. We bless you. We thank you that you are equipping the saints for the work of service. Hallelujah. And Lord, this is what we're praying about this morning, that we want to be fully equipped for the works of service to which you call us. And we thank you, thank you, thank you for all the progressive work of your spirit in us. And we thank you, Lord, that you have heard our prayer for all these other people that are, that are just stuck. Thank you, we're going to see movement. Thank you, we're going to hear of people who have been stuck moving forward with you. Thank you that you're going to bring many of them to our congregations so that we can help them to move forward. We bless you, Lord. We ask you to send them to us, Lord. If they're stuck, send them here. Send them to us, Lord. Send them to these congregations. Send them to Kingdom Faith so that we may help them to move forward and to progress with us in your will, in your ways, in your divine power. And we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, let's just pray that he'll be glorified. Be glorified, Lord. Be glorified. Be glorified. In my life, Lord, be glorified. In your church, be glorified. In the world around us, be glorified. Let all be for your divine glory. All for your divine glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, just finish with a statement of faith. Thank the Lord for the progress you're going to make in the coming weeks. Thank you that this is the beginning of a new season. I believe God is saying of great progress, of considerable process that is going to sort of exceed what we've seen in the past, that we're going to see rapid progress. Hallelujah. And Lord, we pray for all the students that are coming to join us next week. That Lord... Uh, that, that week will be a week of great progress for them, but it will also be a week of great progress for us because we will have the opportunity of just meeting together with you. Hallelujah. A week of progress. But Lord, not just next week, and we pray for the whole church that we will see this increased progressive work of your spirit in and among us for your divine glory. We thank you for what you will do. Praise your holy name. Jesus says, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it. I, I see, I receive. I don't know if you can, but I receive this greater progress in my life, in kingdom faith, and in the whole progressive work 
of the purpose of God in, our, in, in, in his church. So we bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just really give him the praise. Give him the glory. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, sometimes I think it's like you, you perhaps many of you kept hamsters when you were kids or have got kids who've got hamsters even. And you know, usually in a, in a hamster's cage, you have the wheel. And they get on the wheel and it goes round and round and round and round. And I often feel that in the Christian life we're on a wheel. And you know, you see these hamsters and they go <laughs> to keep the wheel turning. And I often feel that's just what it's like. We have to keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. In the grace of God and the power of God, keep the wheel turning, keep the wheel turning. And then we'll make progress. And sometimes you get tired and you say, let me get off this wheel. Let me just sit down and take a break. I think God probably allows that sometimes. Hamsters probably need breaks. But you know, you can't do that for long. You have to get back on the wheel and keep going, keep going, keep making progress. And of course, we're not going around in circles. We're following the one who is leading us in his way. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.